0: take you through it, step by step. Explain why your story stinks. But I won't insult your intelligence. Well, all right. First of all, this is a wrestling picture. The audience wants to see action, adventure, wrestling, and plenty of it. They don't want to see a guy wrestling with his soul. Well, all right, a little bit for the critics. But you make it the carrot that wags the dog. Too much of it they head for the exits. I don't blame them. There's plenty of poetry right inside that ring, think. Look at hell 10 feet square. Blood, sweat, and canvas. Blood, sweat, and canvas. These are big movies, think about big men in tights. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something.
1: Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Well, let me tell you something. Well, let me tell you something.
0: Let me tell you something. 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 Let me tell you something, man.
1: And welcome to the latest episode of Let Me Tell You Something. That's right, it's an old-fashioned, old-school LMTYS. No match reviews going on tonight. We're picking a topic, and by we, I mean myself. And as always, the flying Brian Pillman to my stunning Steve Austin. The Tajiri to my William Regal. The Mark Neville Dean to my Brian Taylor, Mr. Simon Cross. Simon, how you doing today, mate?
0: I'm not too bad, not too bad. You, you really went, like, non-mainstream for the
1: last one there.
0: Quite like that.
1: Well, there's a reason for that, Simon, because those are film directing duo. Ah. Uh, Neville Dean and Taylor, who made the Crank films, uh, most famously. And the reason for that is that for this episode, we're trying a different idea. Yet again, we're just full of ideas and we keep throwing different ones at you. With this one, we're going to get our creative juices flowing. Not in that way, you dirty <laughs> bastards. <laughs> the uh, LMTYS OnlyFans uh, will be launched sometime in 2021. Or LMTYS's only Fan might enjoy it. <laughs> hey! Oh, God. <laughs> so, when myself and Simon first became aware of each other, we were very aware of each other's creativity very early on because... We met at an improv class. Uh, well, it wasn't really a class, was it? It was just sort of a get together every Monday. Yeah, let's call it a workshop. Yeah, a workshop where we were playing around, taking ideas, accepting offers, and continuing the scenes, and really working out ideas on the spot. And that's what we're going to do with this one but we're going to hopefully, maybe, maybe even get it to a creative end that something might be produced maybe a year or two down the line if we keep this idea going, or maybe it will just be a fun little chat as to film fans as well as to wrestling fans. Uh, I personally have written a book, as advertised previously on this convention of a smart wrestling fan. I've also written a play that has yet to be produced when current events sort of overtook it, so it needs a redrafting in the future, but I am proud of That writing I did do one public reading of it, and it was fairly well received. Uh, Simon, have you gone down any other creative paths in the days of improv?
0: Not really at this precise moment in time. No, like maybe in the future it'll grab me. I've sort of like meandered for in like creative wilderness for a while before we launched this project. This project is principally my main creative outlet at present. I'm not saying I wouldn't do others in the future. Just no, it. Nothing struck me. Nothing's lined up perfectly. I have a couple of ideas of things that would be cool to do, but I haven't actually like gone beyond the idea floating around in my head
1: stage. So we're not due any comeback for mid table crisis anytime soon.
0: Uh no, no, not anytime soon. Um, as I say, I might do other things in the future. Who knows what the future holds? If if twenty twenty's taught us anything, is that the future is you can't plan it you can't predict it so who knows
1: this has actually been an idea i think we floated around for quite a while before we got around to finally recording it we've always put it off because we feel like we need to be in the right headspace and hopefully we're there for this one i don't really want to talk for more than about an hour on this so if we find ourselves with loads more ideas bursting out then we'll do a follow-up we can park it afterwards yeah we'll park the bus At that point, so what we are going to do is a brainstorm essentially. Now, we do have in the works coming from Netflix at some point, although I don't believe they've started filming yet. But the Todd Phillips, who was recently Academy Award nominated for directing Joker and also brought us the Hangover movies and Road Trip and the like, he is directing a biopic of Hulk Hogan that is set to star Chris Hemsworth. So Thor is going to get even chunkier than he was before with the Hulk Hogan biography that will be coming up soon. And I think that's one of the ones that people have always thought, if there's going to be a great film made about wrestling, maybe it would be a Hulk Hogan biopic. And another one that I think everyone's always wondered, could you make a movie of? And I do really think you can make this into a movie, because I think it can sum up so much of a particular period of time in Uh, especially and because it's obvious now i think that quite a lot of people involved in the creative arts are wrestling fans or especially because they grew up at the time we're going to cover so what are we talking about brainstorming into a big hollywood blockbuster movie simon uh we're
0: talking about looking at the monday night wars period between wcw and wwe uh i just want to like I know they're not films, they're planned documentaries, but there's going to be a lot more attention potentially on this period. Well, it yeah, will have to be on this period in part with Netflix's uh, planned documentary on Vince McMahon and the people behind The Last Dance are looking at doing a Steve Austin documentary. Yeah,
1: there's like I said, there's obviously a lot of interest in it. I've just suddenly forgotten the guy's name, but he is probably the highest known... Creative voice in in sports commentary right now. He did any given Wednesday on HBO. He's behind The Ringer. He was the man that came up whilst working at ESPN with the Thirty for Thirty documentary series concepts. His name's escaped me right now, but he is going to be the guy behind the Netflix documentary about Vince McMahon. So I do think because a lot of people are obviously expecting it to be a hagiography, or a, t- as far as presenting him as writing all decisions and everything. It'll be very curious to see which way it goes out of those two directions and visions. Because Bill Simmons is the guy's name. Because I do think that Bill Simmons would not be interested in doing that. If he had to toe WWE's line, you mean? Yeah. I can't see him being willing to go down that propagandist path. That You know, because we were talking about one of the things that I did in the... And the build-up to this episode was I watched the first couple of episodes of the Monday Night War documentary again on WWE Network. I think I did watch it when it first was on the network, and I'd seen the original sort of two-hour, three-hour DVD that it was based on, they then expanded with further interviews. It's funny actually seeing it go backwards and forwards between the different periods of the people talking, like Daniel Bryan himself goes through two different, very different looks when he's interviewed, um, as does The Miz and a few others. What we have to figure out at this point, Simon, is what is the film about? What is our focus? And what are things that would be expected of us to cover in it? So my central thesis for this film is that my conflict at the heart of it the two leads of this film are Vince McMahon and Eric Bischoff.
0: Okay, yep, yep. I yeah, I'm broadly I'm broadly in agreement with that because it's how much, how all consumed these two were to be the dominant man it was li- their literal life. Well, in Vince McMahon's case it was literally his livelihood. Eric was just, wow. Well, was someone who was paid by a bigger corporation, but he was a, you can't dispute he was an incredibly driven man.
1: Yeah, that, that aspect, that it was WWF Vince as this single entity, and then it was Eric Bischoff trying to operate within a larger corporate structure. I think that's going to be one of the key elements to the story. But I have in my head the framing device already. But let's first of all talk about what do we need. Let's just bullet point out all the things that we need to see. What needs to be included in the Monday Night War. Okie okay, okay. Let me just get my list in front of me here. Okay. Let's hear some of your ideas and I'll throw some more in as we go along.
0: Okay. Mine's not exhaustive. Uh, but these are like the some of the main plot points I feel you have to include. Uh, the first one is... These aren't in date order. Uh, I'm just going to run through the list. So the first one I've got is Ted Turner's call to Vince McMahon. Where he goes, Vince, I'm in the wrestling business. And Vince, uh, well, supposedly goes, well, we're in two different businesses then. I think that goes towards the start of the film. That's like, "Here I, here comes the juggernaut to take on the
1: man. We also, I think, need to include the steroid trial, if only briefly.
0: Because that, yeah, you do have to reference why some people... Left
1: and why some people looked different to the cartoonish period of the 80s. Because I can see you opening the film before the credits, maybe even with a montage of the 80s wrestling scene. And then that's like one vision of what wrestling was, and that was the first golden era of the modern day context. A lot of this depends on how what rights you can own and everything, but go on. Quick aside, how are we framing this film? Are we framing this film to the general audience or to... Oh, yeah, definitely to the general audience. You want the, This is something I'm thinking, like, for the same sort of scale, I've got it visioned as something along the lines of Ford v. Ferrari. Okay. Bit of a dad's movie, but something that is accessible. You want everyone to see it because it can also be, I think it's also a film about the late 90s. So as
0: little implied knowledge as possible.
1: Yes, we are. There's no prior knowledge. Also, it doesn't need to stick to very hard historical facts because I do like that idea of the the, the phone call. There are certain things I'm going to pitch that did not happen. Okay. But I need it to, I think it's better that it does happen for the means of telling this story for the narrative thread. Okay. okay, So we've got Ted Turner's call, cool. we've got the steroid trial We have to have Lex Luger's appearance on the first episode of Nitro Oh,
0: I've not written that down, but I really hate the fact that I didn't, because yes, you're absolutely right
1: Then we've got to have Hogan's heel turn I've got that,
0: that was literally point number two on my sheet, uh, Sting coming down finally coming down from the rafters and wiping out the NWO
1: I don't know if that's a requirement I don't know, because I'm not sure how much wrestling I actually think we should have in the film for for a number of reasons one of which is my guess is this film won't have the rights to half this stuff. Mm. and how can you recreate it to be honest in my head the more i think about it the more i think maybe there are next to no wrestlers in the film that you see a lot of that it's so based on vince and bischoff that it's almost all about the backstage than it is what's in front of the camera you can do brief moments of recreation, but just for budgetary purposes, I don't think you can have 20,000 things and do all the pyro and. Oh, half. yeah, yeah. No. How, where can you find all the actors to play all of these different roles either? Where do you find people to play Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, Hulk Hogan, that are great actors as well, so that you give them a lot of lines? Yeah. So you can have them in the background. I quite like that idea that the stars are almost in the background. I, I almost had this vision that you could have a key scene where Vince and or Bischoff, you could almost do it in parallel, or maybe doing a walk-and-talk with someone like JR or Briscoe or Vince Russo or someone like that, and Dusty Rhodes or someone on on Eric Bischoff's side, and they're literally like walking over injured wrestlers who are being tended to. Mm. And the idea that the wrestlers are really in... Like, low on their priority list, their well-being, their health, their happiness... Okay. ...is not of their interest either. That it is just so... They're so utterly focused on themselves and their success.
0: Okay. Well, my next point
1: then, I'm
0: going to slightly, like, call an audible on it and edit it slightly. So, I wanted something from the Raw, where they broke the 83-week streak. But if we sort of frame it as in we don't have a lot of rights to stuff it could be like a backstage the next day when those ratings when the ratings come in you could have how both sides react in the film
1: yeah there's definitely got to be significance in that the the ratings have to be of of vital importance as it's going along too you could probably have match you could probably have graphics showing the ratings going up and down and, and and also just almost the cumulative number as well Uh, Another key figure I think you have to have, because he was a factor in both promotions, is Vince Russo. Yes. I think Vince Russo has to be a character in this film. Maybe Ed Ferrara, but Vince Russo definitely has to be a key point. Because both of them deal with him, but have to deal with him in different ways and have different levels of success with him.
0: And Vince has... uh, And Vince Russo himself has different
1: levels of influence. Influence and power. Yeah.
0: Okay. Obviously... Considering the way the story ends, Panama City Nitro's got to be alluded to. Mankind's title win in 1999, where and you could have your Bischoff character. Well, we probably voice, her, even voice. Her. If you don't have like the rights to the live footage like the actual footage, just voiceover that line. That'll put butts in seats. <laughs>
1: And also coupled with that Nitro's tendency to giving give away the results. Oh, you have to include that, yeah. That's something you have to include. You have to include the Montreal Screwjob. Literally
0: about, oh, great minds think alike. I was going to say, because how Brett's going to be positioned in this is he was Vince's ace in the hole. And that's why Vince offered him that big, massive
1: 20-year contract, which he then couldn't honour. I think that whole thing needs to be Vince's rock bottom. Because not only does he screw over someone, it's also a sign that he's struggling because he can't afford to pay a contract. That suggests money's running out. It's running out quick. Mike Tyson. Yes. Yep. I think you have to include Stone Cold Steve Austin, obviously, the Austin McMahon feud. I guess some people would expect Hell in the Cell. So I think you'll have to that's that can be something that you factor into it. Yeah. I, or it's at least in a montage. So we'll put Hell in the Cell with a question mark on it.
0: Yeah. The finger poke of doom.
1: I don't think that's as important as everyone says it is. Uh, Maybe, maybe. I'll put that as a maybe as well, because that's more about the inmates running the asylum. Yeah,
0: it's it's not the match itself. It's what it symbolizes.
1: Oh, um, fake razor and fake diesel. I don't think maybe. That's a maybe, but I don't think it's a necessity.
0: Yeah, put a question mark by that, but... Hall and Nash, obviously, as the Outsiders, help spot. You have to mention Hall and Nash, obviously.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's factored in with the NWO. Oh, also ECW. Ah, yes. That's where I'm going to go a bit crazier with some of my suggestions and people being annoyed at historical inaccuracies when I pitch it to you later on. Okay. So I'm looking at it. These are the things that we have to include, followed by three that we might. Right now, I've got Ted Turner's call, the steroid trial, lex luger's debut hogan's heel turn in the nwo wf breaking the nt3 week streak vince russo the final nitro in panama mankind's title win giving away the results nitro with nitro giving away the results the montreal screw job mike tyson austin mcmahon and ecw when was
0: austin's net break again
1: I don't know if that fits him, really. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, we can put that in as a maybe as well, because that can also be a sign of, like, he's in trouble. The guy that he was looking to maybe build it around is suddenly not available. Potentially. Yeah, question mark that. So, Austin McMahon and ECW, and the four that we might include are Hell in the Cell, Austin's Neck Break, The Finger Poke of Doom, and The Fake Diesel, Fake Razor. So, here's my first pitch to you. Okay. Because, like I'm saying, we're structuring this. I think the focal point is Vince McMahon versus Eric Bischoff. And I'll say it right now: we'll talk more about casting as we go on. In my head, my dream casting for these two parts. Ooh, okay. I Hugh Jackman as Vince McMahon.
0: Okay. Is this uh, is this without factoring in the greatest showman? Um,
1: that is exactly why I want to pick it, him, I and it's it. also one of the reasons why I'm casting as Eric Bischoff, Zach Efron.
0: Okay, well, yeah, they sort of had the both floppish, moppy hair.
1: Yep, you can definitely see Zac Efron with that big shit-eating grin.
0: Well, after Zac Efron played Ted Bundy, he's got range.
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> maybe you could play Vince McMahon then if he can do that, <laughs> but I just see. <laughs> so, here is my first daring strike, I've got, okay, I'm gonna. I'm pitching in my beginning and I'm pitching in my end, All Right. It opens June 1990. A young Eric Bischoff auditions for Vince McMahon to become oh. part of their on screen talents.
0: How did I not think to write that down? But yes, love it. So far, so good.
1: Vince then takes Eric for a lunch and then takes him for a workout session. And it seems like he's giving him the full tour and laying out his knowledge and his wisdom to Eric. One thing I have in my mind, and it's a really easy way to describe what Vince has done, is that he shows him, and this is nothing that Vince has, but this is my idea of something that Vince has, a map of the United States. Okay. And it's got all of the old territories, and there are massive X's next to nearly all of them. Right, yeah. And that's is saying, every one of these sons of bitches I put out of business, I put a huge cross around them. And he points to like one or two that are just still there. Because this is 1990. So he, maybe the two that are still up there, you could argue, are Memphis with Jerry Lawler. And he can say, he's so small, it doesn't even bother me that much. And then he points at Georgia. WCW. And this is 1990, so this is just after they've been purchased. And he's also pointing at the AWA, which was where Eric Bischoff was at that point. And he can talk about, I took their top stars and I made them into bigger names than they ever did. I, and he just lays out all these different things. You've got to be ruthless. You've got to choke them by the throat. You don't give a shit what they do. And you take what they did and you make it better.
0: Sort of like how P.T. Barnum really was.
1: Yeah. Every lesson that he imparts to Eric in that moment are things that Eric does to Vince in return. Takes their biggest stars, utterly ruthless, exploits their weaknesses.
0: Being pre-recorded, for example.
1: Because I want also at the, right at the end for Vince to you, you realize that Vince still has that map, and you realize also that Eric had a version of that map because he was trying to wipe. Vince yeah. out. And with that, you also realize that he's just put ECW's there as well, and there's a big he puts a cross by them, and then he puts a cross by Bischoff, and he just looks back and he's he owns it all now. Because that was what had happened at the end of two thousand and one. Okay. Yep. Then, so that's sort of like the first ending is Vince crossing them all out, and then you can do just a shot of his face, and there's a real ambiguity to it. Does he feel fulfilled, or does he kind of look like there's nothing left for me to conquer? Like there should be, there should be tears in his eyes. I think But you don't know if are
0: tears of joy or.
1: And you could include the the quote: "Alexander the Great wept salt tears when he realized there were no more worlds to conquer," or something like that just leave that ambiguity and then you have a coda and this is the final scene and it's Bischoff's first appearance on Raw and so you bring that in and you have it that Vince has got well I'll go more into that in a bit later on But the, so the last thing is Bischoff comes out and they hug and we actually hear what they say in that hug oh okay and Bischoff may be saying you should have done this 13 years ago or you should have done this 12 years ago and it's going, you're telling me. Mm. Something like that. Then they go off and that's the end. And then you get the typical black text, you know, black screen with the white text explaining all the different things that happened afterwards. Okay, yeah, I'm with you. So that's the fundamental. That's my beginning and end. This whole thing is basically, it's like how with the social network, the implication is that Mark Zuckerberg did all of this to get the girl back. And he sort of gets a qualified victory because she's on Facebook. And then he's just sitting there waiting for her to respond to his friend request. Okay. So the implication is that Eric Bischoff, everything that Eric Bischoff's done for the past 12 years has either been to beat Vince at his own game or at least to get hired by him.
0: Ah, okay. So he sort of... Because it is the qualified victory, as you say, at the end. So it's
1: that question of who truly won at the end of it.
0: Yeah. Because Eric got what he initially, at the start, wanted. But because he didn't get what he wanted at the start he wanted more working for a different company okay i like that yeah yeah because
1: that's what they always say but the key with character motivations in films and anything is what do they want and what do they need okay what bischoff thinks he wants is to defeat vince what bischoff needs is vince's acceptance his respect his rubber stamp is like okay yeah yeah acknowledge well not acknowledgement but i see what you're
0: saying it's a lot of like how in feuds um, there's sometimes even between like heels and faces that like handshake or nod of acknowledgement it's like I'm not friends with you but you're good
1: at what you do so Bishop doesn't get what he wants but he gets what he needs what Vince wants is to um, own everything own everything so he gets that but is it what he needs I see what you're saying
0: I see what you're saying okay
1: what Vince needs is to be more than the greatest wrestling promoter of all time and he doesn't get what... He gets what he wants, he doesn't get what he needs. Bischoff gets what he needs, he doesn't get what he wants. Because that could be my idea of the last line of the f- of the film would be something along the lines of... Vin. Like I, I want at some point Vince to say... Like, Bischoff says to him in the early going, you're the greatest wrestling promoter there's ever been. And Vince says, I never want to be remembered for that. I want more than that. I want everything.
0: I want to be the greatest entertainment owner that's ever been. Or something. Yeah, yeah,
1: something like that. And Bischoff says, what, do you mean like a, you want to own a football team? And Vince just goes, a football team, and that can be just like yeah, 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 yeah. And then later on, you see that, that you have to make reference to the fact that the XFL is a failure. Okay. And I want the final, and so I want the final, one of the final lines I want to be is that well, one of the things I want is that 2018, worried at the in the introduction of AEW, Vince hires Eric Bischoff for the first time in an office capacity. He fired him three months later. Yeah. yeah, it's definitely in the text. Thinking about. Eric Bischoff, bloody, 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 blah, blah. Eric Bischoff has done bloody, bloody, blah, 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 has made a living out of all this sort of stuff. Yeah? Okay, yeah. And then the last line is Vince McMahon is the greatest wrestling promoter of all time. Okay,
0: to row back slightly to Vince gets what he wants, but doesn't get what he needs. One of our question marks, I think you have to turn that into a definite. I think you have to include the sell because of vince's real life reaction to that when he came back through the curtain it's like thank you for doing that but i never want to see you do anything like that ever again uh, and it could be a moment of vince going these aren't just like pieces on a chessboard to move across these are human beings and oh christ what have i done
1: ah uh, no he'll think about that for like half a minute and he's not dwelled on it ever since because you know mick took plenty of bumps after that yeah we're along those lines I know where you're coming from, but I think that's where you imply the whole him walking over. I think the moment that you can have a regret for him is when Brett, he screws Brett over at Montreal. So that's the key, that's sort of the key focal point. The other, I think the key triangle of character relationships in this whole film are Vince, Eric, and Ted Turner. That's the other third point of this triangle, that Vince never meets Ted Turner, and I also want when Eric meets Ted Turner to always be at a bit of a distance.
0: Like opposite sides of like a long boardroom table, for example.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So right after Vince tells Eric, you had a great interview, kid, but I don't think you're the right fit for this company right now. Or whatever. And, and Eric like kind of expected it to all, like, you could almost have him on, like, on the call to his wife and going, I think he's I think he likes me. I think he's going to hire me. And then it, you kind of wonder, it's like, did he just do all this to fuck with me? <laughs>
0: Was he bored today?
1: He likes to fuck with people. And then at that point, after he's sent Bischoff on his way, he gets a phone call in his office and then you just hear over the phone, Hey Vince, I'm in the wrestling business. Because the, the fun that's the funny thing. like Vince has always painted the Monday Night War as me against Ted Turner. When Ted Turner had next to nothing to do with it, really. He was not interested in the day-to-day operations. And Vince thinks he defeats Ted Turner, but Ted Turner is who Vince wants to be. Again, want and need. Vince wants that thing. Because that's the thing. Like, you'll see... When you see Ted Turner, I think you see him in boardrooms on long desks. Have you ever seen the movie Network? There's a scene in it where the... It's the only scene where he's in it. I can't remember the actor's name right now off the top of my head. But he got an Oscar nomination for it. And he's, like, the head of the network or something. or some. He's, like, a high-angle position. So he's always in the distance. And he's telling off this t- on-screen talent. You will repent. So here's this idea of Ted Turner being... The idea that whenever Eric Bischoff is in this meeting, he's like quite far down the table yeah. with all the executives. And they all kind of despise him. There was one story I love that Eric Bischoff said that I think you need to include in this. is where some executives saying something very derogatory about him. and And Eric says, What day is Monday Nitro on the air? And the guy can't answer. i thought that might be a bit too obvious so i have this idea of saying what day is nitro on the air and he's thinking that and literally the poster behind him with monday nitro is like right behind him and he doesn't know so he doesn't see turner that often but when he does see him again he's there but ted turner's still far away because this is not high priority you have
0: someone in mind for vince and you have someone in mind for eric do you have someone in mind for turner
1: not really um an older gentleman if, if he could do the accent, maybe Alan Alda? Maybe? Not sure if he could do the accents. Who's... Oh! Sam Elliott.
0: Ah! Yes,
1: yes, yes, yes. You'd have to have him get rid of the moustache, but... No, he would keep the moustache. Ted Turner had a moustache. Just nowhere near as good as Sam I was Elliott. I say, it would be dwarf. <laughs> everything's dwarfed by sam elliott i saw for the first time some clips of sam elliott in roadhouse i've never seen roadhouse but i saw some clips in it and i think that might be as good looking as any human being has ever been whoa 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 whoa, whoa whoa whoa
0: whoa 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 frequent listeners to our show will know we have talked about one occasion uh where a young Minoru suzuki took off his hood
1: that's true He's up there as well. That may be another one. <laughs> Those are both nominees for the for the final. <laughs> I was going to say,
0: come on now, you can't you can't just hand uh, Sam Elliott the crown,
1: right? So yeah, that's my my. And then I'm wondering at the middle point: Do you have Vince and Eric meet each other, or is it literally we we only see them right at the start and right at the end? Because I did have this idea of like ships passing in the night of maybe them because there is a photo of wwf and wcw guys that were all in the sort of the same airport they've all been in the same gym all posing for a photo together so it's like rick flair stone cold david boy smith i think kevin nash is in it photo as well yeah um loads of loads of guys um so you could do that uh, i and that's the question of like but that doesn't make it too, so explicit but it is like bishop pointing out i've done everything you taught me and then after that i would have that moment where bischoff's in a plane with the outsiders and hogan saying i'm gonna kill vince like maybe vince does something or says something that just gets under his skin so it's that sign of vince still knows how to play the game
0: on that point do you include the challenge Bischoff made to Vince to show up on Paper I'm, and I'm him.
1: very curious to do that. That could be like his reaction to the ratings. And he could also point out that Vince playing the evil boss is exactly what he's been doing for the past year. So that's also where he's sort of affronted that he's stealing my acts. It's this whole thing of theft. And that's another thing that I want to get to because I also want one thing to be one mirroring. In the first, pass, the first half of the film, we have Eric Bischoff. Going to Japan and seeing everyone going apeshit for the new Japan versus UWFI feud. Oh which was his inspiration for the NWO. Okay, yes. yes, You could have him on the flight back saying, God, you know, imagine if we could do that. Vince would never agree to that. And then someone you could overhear someone in the plane saying, Have you seen who's in this plane? Hulk Hogan, Diesel, Razor Ramon? It's all the WWF guys. So that's when he's like, "Hang about,"
0: just like a very like knowing sort of like shit-eating grin. Yeah,
1: maybe he's whining and dining Kevin Nash and Scott Hall, and they take them to Japan because he's like, "I've got no time to talk to them. Fly them over to Japan. We'll talk there." And the idea of it, and so they could all be sitting down negotiating the contracts, and that was where you get like the guaranteed deals and all that sort of stuff, and how that sort of revolutionized everything. One of the, one of the things I want Vince to say to Bischoff is, "You know where you want to put your money? Lights." Yeah. Make it look good. Yeah, okay, because, yeah. And that can be when Bisch- you can have Bischoff interview because you'll see Bischoff in WCW in the low down position. Right, yeah. But very early on, we've got to have him interviewing. So, whilst Vince is taking the steroid trial, Bischoff's interviewing. Now, that's, again, those are congruous. Those aren't matching dates. I think Vince's steroid trial's in 94 and Bischoff's hired in 93. So, this is, again, where you're changing timelines. But you've got to compress it. Yeah. So, you know?
0: We are trying to fit a decade into it. A- two-hour film yeah
1: yeah because bischoff like bischoff took that interview in 1990 well wcw existed sometime in 89 when ted turner took him over so again you're dealing with timelines so there you've got bischoff going somewhere and finding an inspiration and that's that could be one thing vince also says keep your eyes open for what's around you and then you could say that maybe vince got utterly blocked and he did have you looked at what's around you and at this point i want vince Russo. To convince Vince McMahon to join him at an ECW show. And Vince puts on, like, a luchador mask. Having, <laughs> having a have Mysterio mask. Okay, yes, yeah. And he goes to ECW ah, and, he and he sees, sees the Sandman. Yeah. And he sees the violence and he hears the fans and he sees women catfighting.
0: Okay, And yeah. also, at
1: that point, you can have him also, maybe whilst he's waiting to get in, he's watching the TV and the Jerry Springer show's on. And then he turns that, well, maybe, like, Bill Clinton's giving an address to the, like, I did not have sexual relations with that woman. Then he switches it, and there's Jerry Springer. And then he switches it again, and there's South Park. And so it's this idea of, like...
0: He's absorbing the world around him.
1: Like, this idea, this is his first day out in ten years. Yeah. Because that was one of the things, like, Shawn Michaels or the clique sort of saying to Vince, do you have any idea what the world is like now? You have no fucking clue. That's also one thing you could do about the idea that Vince let the click go because he knew that it was a toxic environment, whereas Bischoff doesn't have that control towards the end, and everyone's got creative control. And
0: that creates its own toxic environment.
1: Because that's the idea, like, Vince was able to do the Montreal screw job. Bischoff would never have been able to do that.
0: Oh, God, could you imagine? Yeah, you're right.
1: Although Vince, Brett did admittedly have creative control in the contract, but that's another thing where sometimes you've got to let the truth slip away for a bit Yeah, like I said cause Vince obviously never went to an ECW show but it's a place to put him in and just condense it in that moment on the travel to Philly Vince Russo's put together like all these little things and he's showing it to him saying this is what the world is like right you now. could
0: have that Vince Russo's like put a videotape together and it is just fast pace of things in the 90s on let's say the TV in the limo there'd be a TV in the limo in the 90s
1: yeah yeah I like. How about also one thing that you have with Vince Russo that I think is key is that you have him, like, you do it as a montage of him just spitting dozens and dozens of ideas of Vince McMahon. You can have it just, like, cut really quickly, like almost like those YouTube videos. Be a 50-50 and,
0: blend of...
1: No, it's got to be less than 50-50. Okay. It's got to be, like, 20, 80, 10, 90. am so like, like, gold and utter shite. You can see Vince and he's, like... He's giving him all these pieces of paper or something, and he's like going through them. And then you see Vince, and he's got the piles, and one is like no, nope. and one is like we'll work with these, because then when you have Vince Russo on his own, and again Bischoff's brought in to try and help Vince, Vince Russo, and you just he comes in and there's anarchy in the place, and Vince has Vince Russo has all these insane ideas up on a chalk. Oh, floor.
0: you could sort of have it. I know it's a, it's a very memeable thing, but uh, there's an episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia where Charlie
1: has the string
0: and all the different things on the board yeah yeah not something to that yeah visually like
1: that not that exactly As far as the presentation of the wrestlers, I think for the most part, you keep them in the distant background almost. I almost wonder if you even hear Hulk Hogan, you just see a Hulk Hogan look-alike. Because I had this idea, one of the things you've got to have is, because like Bischoff's saying, we'll put them in the lights, so then you get Bischoff in the Disney MGM. And things are sort of looking better. One story I love from that, actually, and I think you have to include it, is that Rick Rude came out for a tag team match with another heel, but they'd screwed up on the lights. You know how with... Steward the audience, there's like laughter, applause, and oh, yeah, like yeah, jokes. Because yeah, 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 yeah. so, then they just got cheered. <laughs> he's like, but they're not. Oops. They're not. Oh, shit. Well, reshoot it. Tell them to boo them. So, this idea that they're losing the wrestling fan. Another thing you need to see is that Hulk Hogan, when he pays, and like, then he's just walking around, he says, Do you see who's here? Do you see who's in Studio 7. Hulk Hogan. What's he filming? Thunder in Paradise. Is it good? He'll be looking for work next year. <laughs> Will he? Really? Okay. I. I think with the wrestler point
0: about them being in the background, I think for WCW towards the end you have to maybe bring them into the for- bring them slightly out of the background because that's one of the reasons why
1: he loses. I think if you're gonna include wrestlers, the- there's only a few you should have. You've got Austin, Brett, Hogan, Nash, Hall. I think those are the five people that, if you're going to include wrestlers, those are the five characters you have to have on. Luger as well, because you need to see him. But you don't even necessarily have to cast an actor, just a bodybuilder who looks like Luger.
0: I can grow a mullet. That'll do.
1: Like you could Also, that's one thing you could have during the steroid trial. Vince saying, Ugh, Luger's just not working. Like, you could see the Lex Express or something. And just that—that's sign that things aren't working out. Well, why don't you have
0: him beat like Yokozuna for the title? Nah, <laughs>
1: <laughs> you don't need to go into that much detail. Yeah, sorry, I'm letting my uh, fan pointers
0: take me over there.
1: Okay, uh, so we've got steroid trial, Turner's call, Luger's debut, uh, Hogan's heel turn, N.W. Well, that was the thing. Like, Bischoff hires Hogan, and then he goes out, and there's loads of booing. He's like, why are they booing them? It's like, this is horseman country. This is wrestling. That, that should be a key word that keeps coming back, wrestling. Either it said derogatorily.
0: By like those execs in that boardroom meeting scene, maybe. Because obviously Ted, one of the reasons it stayed with the Turner Network so long is because Ted was in charge as well. So you've got like a conflicted Ted, maybe, like trying to like push his baby but also aware of execs.
1: I think Ted, like, the rest is in the distance. Like, I don't think you even have him, like, really close. Even when Bischoff's just in the room on his own with him, I'd have him at one end of one long table and Bischoff at the, and Ted Turner at the far other end. Doesn't even say... Oh, that's another thing you need to include. Billionaire Ted. Oh, the character. Yeah, that's another question mark do we have. Again, it's a sign of Vince just being out of touch and... And spiteful. But also that idea that it's like, you know that it's not Ted has nothing to do with this, Vince. It's Bischoff. Yeah. And Vince could be almost like, I have no idea who that is.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Not wanting to acknowledge who it is that's like doing this to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Because that was one thing I was also thinking. You should hear um... him. I think the last time we should hear Ted Turner is on the phone to Eric. When Eric tries to buy WCW one last time in 2001. And it just falls apart. And Ted says, ah, my hands were tied. But, you know, I've got things to occupy myself. It was a fun ride. (laughs) I had a good time. That's the main. Yeah. And that's all that Ted ever cared about. Like I said, it's that whole idea. It's that great moment in Mad Men where one guy says to Don Draper when they're in the lift, I pity you. And Don Draper goes, I don't think of you at all. <laughs>
0: or a more modern version is um, Scarlet Witch to Thanos. You took everything from me. And Thanos, I don't even know who you are.
1: Yeah, to be fair, he didn't. In That that version yeah. of Thanos didn't. That was more just the humour of it. But yeah, I get where you're coming from as well with that. Although Vince didn't, unfortunately for him, get to then telekinetically crush his, uh, <laughs> his suit against his body. True. Um, all right, so let's just try and hammer out a narrative in bullet points then from this point. Okay. Just maybe, even if it's only like 12 bits and then I think we'll leave it for now. Yeah, yeah. No, let's, let
0: so we'll have, we'll, end, we'll end this with a basic framework.
1: So, montage, maybe. 80s montage, open, maybe. It depends on rights and what you're willing to, how much money you've got to spend on actual in-ring stuff. Shall we phrase that as like some way, even if it's like, oh, I don't like doing it at
0: the start of the films, but the black, uh, black background and the white writing—some way of going. Here's where we're at. So,
1: I think that's more for the end. I like that. Yeah, point. and I
0: prefer it at the end. But if rights permitting, obviously, is what I mean. But basically, some way. Oh, another
1: thing we've got to include in the writing at the end is that now AEW are funded by a billionaire yeah. and his son, who grew up a wrestling fan. But there's so, yeah, but and actually, if you could show a photo of Tony Khan at Monday Night, Trump, yeah,
0: yeah, because he was there. But basically, some way of bringing the casual fan the non-wrestling fan, up to speed.
1: Well, that's what the Bischoff-McMahon thing is. McMahon interviews Bischoff, tries to get him to sell a broomstick. That's what you see in the interview. You see Eric on camera saying, what's this, am I am I going already? You can hear Vince in the background saying, no, I just want you to sell me this broomstick. So then you go, a McMahon lunch, maybe a McMahon workout, and he's you just see the craziness of McMahon. Spends the day, so Eric spends the day with McMahon. And then we have the map. Vince doesn't hire him. The handshake or something like that. Or maybe he goes in for a hug and just whispers in his ear, not this time, pal, or something like that. Then he goes back to his office and Ted Turner calls. And I think, like, Turner should chuckle at him saying, we're in two different businesses, Ted. I'm in the entertainment business. Oh. Oh, okay. I'm there too, Vince. Okay, Vince. Okay, mate. (laughs) I've just got to go and do my meeting with the Atlanta Braves or something like that. I've got to go to a Braves game or something like that.
0: Sorry, I've just got to go to, obviously, like, Disney World or something.
1: And then at that point, you go to 1992, 93. Bischoff is sort of low-level grunt work for WCW.
0: Mm. Wasn't he, like, fourth tier uh, announced? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sort
1: of like that, yeah. And then he said they've fired whoever whoever they're part of. and he puts his name in for the interview and then he gives everything he puts his name in for the interview and then we see Vince at the steroid trial like yeah I think. so that's the two things we're seeing them in parallel which admittedly are a year apart but we're doing it for the purposes of this and maybe you could have Hulk Hogan in the witness box at that point admitting that he took steroids or something like that
0: and he lied on Arsenio
1: then you have Bischoff in Disney Yeah And he talks to Maybe you can have him Talk to Ted Turner At this point Saying I'll give you some money Just know where to put it Okay And is offered more money And says he likes What he's done with the lights Or something like that Yeah And then Ted finds out That Hogan's In the lot Hogan's filming Thunder in Paris He's around Yeah yeah. I'm trying to think what you'd do with Vince in I guess you could just do the whole steroid trial during this whole period for Vince, and how it looks like he's going to lose everything, like he nearly goes to prison. Yeah. So that can be during all this time, whilst Bischoff is finding out. You're
0: to you have a tense scene with like his lawyer, or something like that, where his lawyer's laying out, look, here's where we're at with this. I'll do what I can, but... It, it, you have to prepare for the fact it might not go your way or something like that.
1: You know what? He hired Jerry. He had Jerry Jarrett in line to take over. So you could say that he's looking at the map and there's still Memphis there and there's Georgia and there's him. Yeah,
0: and it, it puts the map back into people's minds.
1: Just It's that re-establishment. The map's still there. Yeah, And so he looks at it and he sees... Maybe he sees Eric Bischoff and he thinks, do I call... Who'd you have take over? And he... Briefly thinks of Bischoff.
0: You could have a pad of paper, uh, like as the shot, and Bischoff's names at yeah. the top, and then he scratches it out. Yeah,
1: scratches him out, and then it's Jerry Lawler Memphis.
0: Yeah, let's yeah.
1: Uh, Jerry Jarrett, Jerry Jarrett Memphis, or something like that. So he calls Jarrett and says, "In case this doesn't go my way." Then you cut to Bischoff bringing Hulk Hogan out, and Hulk Hogan getting booed. And so he realises he's still got a long way to go. Yeah, you got to, like, establish that. It's
0: like, oh, okay. Um, right. Now what?
1: How about at this point, actually, because this is a well-known story, how about at this point we do bring in the click? Because, again, it leads to that so sort of sense of the inmates running the asylum. So Vince is acquitted. Yeah. And then we go to 96 or 95. 95, 96. Yeah, 95, 96. The, the click have told him, and he goes in the bus with them. Yeah. And they're talking to him about what they need to do. And then at one point during that, Hall and Nash take him aside and say, our contracts are going up, we need more. And been saying, I don't give you more. So that's what we have at this point. The click bus drive and Nash and Hall's ultimatum.
0: Yeah. Okay, yep.
1: And then they can say, what's the next thing you're doing? And he says, I know that Bischoff's going to whine and dine you. Mm. But don't. Don't believe it, what he's saying. It's all smoke and mirrors. It's all smoke and mirrors. Or something like that. And then we see them on a first-class flight going to Japan. And there they that's where they meet Bischoff. And you can have them meet Hogan as well. He says, look at these three big guys. Look at that. The future of wrestling and the current of wrestling. Or something like that. And they're watching the show. And during this whole thing, he's talking to them about what he wants to do. Although, no, we need to do the Nitro thing before then.
0: Oh, with Lexa turning up, yeah.
1: Yeah, Okay, so before then, at some point in between, we need to have the first Nitro. <gasps> Hogan booed, and then we get the first Nitro. So, yeah, Hogan gets booed, so then we go to Bischoff, like, gets called into Ted's offices or something. Like, this isn't what's he supposed to, says, to happen. Well, well, I mean, to be fair, they're still doing all right. Yeah. It's like, Bash of the Beach did huge numbers, but he says, I went to that show, and Jane said, why are they booing Hulk Hogan? You know, something like that. Alluding to Jane Fonda, and that's where... And, and that can be what the first time when we see Eric in the room with loads of other executives that really have no interest in this.
0: Yeah, I don't pay all this money for him to be booed or something like that.
1: Then Eric Bischoff says that the story, well, we need to present him better. We need, And we don't even get the chance to put him... He's a prime-time guy and we need a prime-time audience and you're not giving us with that. And it's just him trying to bullshit anything. And then Ted just goes to the guy who's next to him. And maybe he's someone who made a derogatory statement about... wrestling Wrestling.
0: in this scene
1: give him to give him give him prime time monday nights yeah because vince has the prime time numbers on monday that's the best day you could have for a wrestling show and and then you can see like eric bischoff's like fuck the bottom might have fallen out now yeah (laughs) and i like that vince said uh, bischoff said like he took a list and said what do they have what do we have and so and then he just says cast iron contracts again and and you can also allude to that when. Hall and Nash say you don't want us to do a luga, do you? <laughs> what's the one of the things I found out about the when I watched the first episode that was useful was that the first episode of Nitro aired unopposed, and it was September because that must have been when it was the Westminster Dog, dog Show,
0: and Warhol gets preempted.
1: So you can have Vince saying that son of a bitch wants to go up against us. I'll crush him. I'll crush his windpipe. We're gonna have the best show ever, uh, Vince, on that date. And then hard cut to the Westminster Dog Show and <laughs> Vince is stuck Vince is sat on, sat on his sofa just with a look of utter disgust like <sighs> next Monday Night Raw will be back next week but in the meantime welcome to the Westminster Dog Show and so he's like I have to turns the channel to Nitro sees the lights he's like wow they've got a lot of lights and then Lex Luger coming out and him just shooting <laughs> out of his chair It's like that son of a Bitch, where's his contract? Yeah,
0: and then like just cut to like glass being thrown at a wall or something. Yeah,
1: he stole my best, my my talent. He stole a star from me. And again, it's like you can have Bischoff say, "You stole those guys, didn't you? You you took Piper from there and you took Hogan from there, Rue from there, and you took Kerry Von Erich from there." And it's yeah. like I don't steal anyone. I give them better options or something like that. And that's again, he like, say that that motherfucker stole. He says, look at you stealing. And, and that could be something when Bischoff's on the flight and not and, and Hall and Nash saying, is that all you're going to do, Bischoff? Is that all you're going to do? Just steal Vince's talents? Because I'm stealing not stealing anyone. anyone. I'm giving, I'm them, giving better them better options. offers. Yeah, yeah, like it. Yep. Something like that. So we go back to, he's winding dying them in Japan and they're watching this show and he goes, God, can you imagine a show where we've got and someone says in japan they sometimes negotiate deals when business is down that they can make each other look good and he says god you'd never get that out of <laughs> Vince, would you we'll never see a wcw versus wwf oh movie.
0: god yeah little wink to camera
1: and then well i know what you mean to, to the wrestling fan but to the general public that we're shoot, we're, we're pitching this film towards they don't know that and then they can say look at those guys hulk hogan randy savage Ke- and there's diesel and razor ramon all the wwf guys are here I so know, uh, what's the other one? I don't know. WWF guy. Yeah, so it's so like, all the WWF guys. <laughs> and then, hard cut Hulk Hogan heel turn.
0: So much rubbish being thrown at him by extras.
1: Maybe he also overhears like, conspiracy theorists saying there's a new world order or something like that. You know, all those sort of, you know, you overhear things. And again, that's the whole idea. That they're taking inspiration from what's around them. And at that point, Bischoff has his ear to the ground, whereas Vince doesn't. And then... Yeah, it's turned on its head the the next way.
0: Uh, I know I'm sort of skipping ahead slightly, but uh, for the hell in the cell bit, I've just really got that in my mind. I'm sorry. The way you do it is obviously somewhat one of Vince's like cronies or minions just going, "What the hell was that to Vince?" As Vince is just like going, "Okay, next seg for the gorilla position kind of thing."
1: Maybe, maybe, but he was concerned. Like he actually came out. But again, we don't need to necessarily see that, but. Maybe Vince is just saying we've got to raise the bar. So what was that? Well, they raised the bar. Oh, do you include his fucking extemporaneous speech that he did before one episode of Raw? You know, where he kind of beckoned in the Attitude Era. Uh, that might be what you... that You can be a hard cut to yeah. that. From the ECW trip. Yes. And that's the sign... That's like the halfway point, almost. I
0: don't want to say put a bit of blue in the dad... For the dads, but a hard cut to, like, um... IBDX just something... DXE, maybe, or like some scantily clad women, or something like that.
1: Could you have? I mean, again, the times don't line up, but you could have him see jackass and the crazy stunts that they're doing, and then you see, him. they don't line up, but they were of that era at the same time. It was about reckless young early millennial, early millennials, late Gen Xers. Ah, uh, I think I think you get it. No- it's just it's abstract. It's a, it's a small. I think you'll get enough points. out of the ECW bit not to do yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah, so we've got Hogan in the NWO, uh, then I think you just, that might be when you do have a montage or something of just the ratings, the ratings, Nitro winning the ratings war. Just a nice background of like little clips or like bits
0: and just like the the, the two lines. Just.
1: Yeah, you could have just like a montage of them going after, or they're going after all the talents as well. At that point, you have Vince saying to Brett, Brett, if you stay, I will give you 20 years. You want a contract, I'll give you a twenty year contract. Yeah. So that's sort of all the montage of everything going action packed, and you're seeing the light and you're seeing the the ratings always like for for Bischoff are always high and Vince is struggling to keep up. And so you have Vince offering Vince offers Brett a twenty year. Deal. And there's like when he's in Vince's office, it's a bit more
0: dishevelled than the previous times we've seen uh Vince's office There's like scrunched up Bits of paper Hither and thither Yeah,
1: Okay so at this point Yeah they're just saying They're throwing every piece Of shit at the wall So maybe this is the point Where Vince Russo says Let me take you out For a day You know Yeah It's like Vince When did you last have a day off And McMahon's saying Oh it's been I don't like them Generally or something something like that I I don't take days off He says Vince, I'm going to tell you what the world's like. <laughs> Vince, how about Russo just gives him some really important, like, trivia, like, pop culture thing. Have you ever seen that bit in um The Thick of It? Yes. Where he's asking the, yes. what's a chav? Yeah. Who's the biggest gay in the village?
0: And he, like, has that video afterwards where he recognises, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Have Vince Russo give him that quiz, basically. Who killed Kenny? He's talking about Kenny Loggins? Like <laughs> so Vince Russo culture shames McMahon. No, because that was the thing. Vince sees, like, uh, the WWF Raw magazine. That's it. Okay. Vince is flipping through, and he's, like, looking for something to read. He finds the Raw magazine. He goes to the Raw offices. He says, who's in charge? Who's this Vic Venom guy or something like that? And they say, it's this guy, Vince Russo. He was a radio DJ. We got him. says, because he didn't say. He threw the magazine and said, this is what our show should be. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Bring him on. And so it's Vince's first time in the office, and, like, they're all... You see Jim Cornette and Jim Ross and all them lot, and then just Vince... Russo's just then you have the montage of throwing a thousand ideas at him
0: of like okay what about this what about this what about Taka Michinoku is an alien what about (laughs) yeah 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 you know like for every as you say like one like oh why don't we just do this like something that seems obvious considering what he's just laid out oh I don't know why don't we have like um a wrestling hunchback or why don't we
1: have uh, a football
0: player or you know it's like or you know Yeah, yeah. yeah
1: And then you just have that signified by Vince, like, he's like, well, these were a hell of a lot of ideas, Vince. And then Vince leaves the room and Vince, like, literally throws loads of them in the bin, but takes those few ones. He says, let's go with this.
0: You could um, cut to the notepad again and there's, like, two columns.
1: Yeah, yeah. And Vince Russo leaves the office and he just throws that one in the bin. And then he gives these other ones around, and having give one of them to a guy that looks suspiciously like Jim Cornette, who's shaking his head in disgust. That's all that we know of this for the time being, you know.
0: Yeah, like a little Easter egg thing.
1: Yeah, and so the ratings are starting to change, and they're trying starting to go about, but it's like Vince is still saying, "We need more, we need more." And then it's like I am looking at my contract and he's having like a dark night of the soul maybe with Vince Russo and a few more people in the bar and Russo just says to him Vince when was the last time you had a day off he says I don't take days off okay when was the last time you went out and did something other than you were somewhere other than your office or the rest or the arena he says I'm gonna take you on a day out where am I where are you taking me to a wrestling arena but I'll do things in between yeah (laughs) and then puts him in the limo Vince takes a drive so that's what we've got there We've kind of not had anything from Bischoff at this point, but he's doing so well. I don't know if we need him that much, because he's, like, wallowing in his success. What you could have, then,
0: is he sort of walks by one of those sneering
1: Turner execs, like a corridor. And then he does the Monday Nitro thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just something that goes, nah, yeah. Well, that's, that, that can be a brilliant one, actually, because that can be, like, a montage of him abusing people. You could almost, You could include the story of him apparently knocking coffee onto Eddie Guerrero. And then walking away. So just, Bischoff is an arsehole. That's our next bit. (laughs) Bischoff is an arsehole. Smug arsehole, I think. Yeah. You have to put a bit of... This is where you can do the ships in the night moments. Where they see each other. Either they see each other, but I don't know if they talk to each other.
0: I think you have them at like an airport. And one's one side of security, one's the other. Or something like that.
1: Maybe someone goes over on either side and has a little, like, how are you doing? And then they report back on what those guys (laughs) said to them. How
0: how it? he sounds Like, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. And that can be where Bischoff, on his flight back, is saying, I'm going to ruin him. I'm going to take him out. I'm going to destroy him. So, Bischoff says, I'm going to destroy him. Or he says something like, I've got him. I've got him on the ropes. Yeah. Yeah. Bischoff says, I've got him. And then Vince Russo takes... Vince Russo convince his McMahon to take him on a on a trip, you know? So that's our our halfway point. And then as Vince comes back, he just says the numbers don't add up, you can't have Brett. We can't keep him. Then it's the Montreal screw job. And you see Vince take the take the bullets. Does
0: do you have a an image of Eric?
1: Have have Gerald Briscoe, so you know what the old school wrestling thing to do is. Yes. Yeah. So again, wrestling. And back. you have,
0: like, um, it cut to
1: Eric just watching this on TV. like. And Well, then you have Eric the next night saying, because you're such a knockout guy. Yeah. So Eric is like, this will be over within three. Well, this will be over, and by the end of April... I've got this. Vince WWF will be dead. And then at the end of April, WWF beat Nitro in the ratings for the first time. And at that point, I think we're going to call it for now. Cool. Okay. That's been an hour. I think we've
0: fleshed out something there. Yeah. Like to see what it's like. It could goes. be shit.
1: I don't know how I uh, this is one where I think we would really appreciate some feedback. I think we're gonna maybe push this episode out a bit more to people and see what others say. So if you are if you've never got in touch with us before, it's hard to push it, but I think we'd really appreciate some words from people now. What do you think we've got? What do you think? We haven't. What do you think we've missed? And don't just go at us for historical inaccuracies because that's not what this story's about.
0: Yeah, like we, like again, we're trying to tell. We're trying to fit a decades worth of like history into a two hour film. It's, go, it's, you know, it, art, artistic license is going to be used in this,
1: right? But if people want to get in touch with the show, it's lmtyspod at gmail.com. Lmtyspod is also our Twitter handle and Facebook account. If you want to get in touch with me, it's Lorcan Mullen. That's L O R C A N M U L L A for Academy Award and N for Nomination. That's my Twitter handle, Facebook, Let's Box, Instagram. If you put an at gmail.com at the end of it, that's my email address. Simon, how can people get in touch with you? People I mean, get in touch with me on Twitter, where I'm so known as Simon
0: Cross Free. Uh, free for the number of times in this that we will see Sam Elliott's glorious mustache.
1: <laughs> Next week will not be another L- LMTYS podcast episode. Let me tell you something: it will be one of our other series, depending on whether we've had a five-star match in the interim. Might have done. We'll add that to the list. Or if not, it will be Match of the Week. And our next Match of the Week is a bit of old-school British wrestling. None of your of the WWE and WCW days, as Les Kellett takes on Leon Arras for joint promotions for World of Sports. So it's definitely not going to have the glitz and glamour of a Hollywood biopic. This is more the grimness of a Ken Loach film. But until then, maybe that's another film we can pitch in the future. Oh, God. But until then, there's nothing left to say except that my name's Lorcan Mullen.
0: And my name's Simon Cross.
1: Thank you for letting us tell you something. Have a five Hollywood stars time. Until the next time. W.P.? I beg your pardon?
0: W.P. you, the writer? Just Bill, please. Bill? You're the finest novelist of our time. Why, thank you, son. How kind. My kind? I had no idea you were in Hollywood. All of us undomesticated writers eventually make our way out here to the Great Salt Lake. That's probably why I always have such a powerful thirst. A little social lubricant, Mr. Fink? No, it's a little early for me. Philip, if I'm imposing, you should say so. I know I am you're really very busy. I just wanted to ask you a favor. Have you ever written a wrestling picture? You are dripping, sir. Mr. Fink, they have not invented a genre of picture that Bill Mayhew has not at one time or other been invited to well, what yes, you Yes, I have taken my stab at the wrestling form, as I have stabbed at so many others and with as little success. Well, how do you ta- I gather that you are freshmen here, eager for an upperclassman's counsel. However, just at the moment, I have drinking to do. Why don't you stop by my bungalow, which is
1: number 15, late on this afternoon, and we will discuss wrestling scenarios and other things literary.